all of baking, the creative process of it is beautiful for me. That I take these random objects, things that are kind of gross apart and you would not sit down and eat. No one just sits down and eats a cup of flour. And people don't usually eat raw eggs, but you take all these things and then you mix them together. And then when it comes out, it brings joy. Welcome to Created Creative. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ruth. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> How is your Advent? Yeah, so far so good. The secret early Advent going on. And my church is called Advent. Ah, uh, so it's kind of a big deal. I think we really get all the mileage out of Advent. Oh, sure. So does your church decorate a lot for Advent? I mean, there were the blue banners mm -hmm. on the poles. Yeah. It doesn't have Christmas up yet. We just put ours up on Sunday. And that's a fun tradition. So we started Advent early, but you decorate for Christmas early. <laughs> I like your way. I like the decorations. Yeah. So whether we're calling this the third week of Advent or the fourth week of Advent, Christmas is really close. And I actually wanted to ask you, what if I want to give a consecrate box for Christmas. We have the best babysitter. She is in seminary, going to graduate in the spring. So how do I get her a box? Is it like we go on your website and you have options for these things or is it like you make a custom box? Almost never do I have a box where you know everything that's going to be in it. But I love it. <laughs> so the monthly boxes, of course, that's always a surprise. And then on the website too, though, there's one-time boxes and the Christmas mystery box. And then it has five different items. And a lot of those are maybe things that have been favorites from other Christmas boxes I've done in the past. The big sneak peek item that would be perfect for someone who is in seminary. I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, but they're sparkly collar tabs. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they're so beautiful. And those are going in all of the Christmas boxes, whether it's subscription or the Christmas mystery. When do I have to order this by? I would order it soon just to make sure you get one of the sparkly collars. I could still make a box up until Christmas. Yeah, and it, it just has a combination of useful and funny and encouraging items. That's what I say. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going on your website and choosing Christmas mystery box. Yes, that's what I would recommend, the Christmas mystery box. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You've solved my Christmas shopping and now we can move on to Christmas cookies because today our guest is a baker. Kayla, yeah. Her work is so beautiful. She's a ELCA pastor okay. in Park River, North Dakota. She's a mom. And for the last, did she say it's been about two or two. three years? Yeah. Two years probably that she's had her business. How did she end up in the box? How do you find these people? A lot of times people recommend them to me. And someone who knew her work, knew her business, knew she was a pastor and knew about Consecrate said, <laughs> well, this is a perfect match. You've got yeah. to reach out to her. And so then I did. And she just happened to be coming to my area for a conference. And so then she brought a sample cookie. And then when she came over, my cat escaped and it was a whole thing. We had to hunt and find the cat. We have this history now that we've yes. built up. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're bonded over the cat. But I've always been so impressed with bakers too and how they can make something that is not only delicious, but beautiful. A skill I do not have. Yeah, I can make things delicious, but they're not usually pretty. <laughs> it's yeah. one or the other. It's one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. let's talk to Kayla. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> Hi, thank you for coming. Yeah. Kayla is a baker and a pastor. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your business and you? 
Sure. I am a full-time pastor, but a couple of years ago, I started what was supposed to just be a cookie business. It's called Amazing Bake where sweets are found, which if you're not a church person, makes no sense, but church people laugh. That's the best kind of title where your insiders think it's hilarious and everyone else is just like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It's like really long title to put on things, but I find joy in it. So I'm just letting it roll. When I was thinking of names for Consecrate, one of the names that was on the board was Amazing Crates. And yeah, church people would have gotten it, but Anyway, so I think it's really cool what you're doing. It kind of all started with I liked decorate cookies, like the fancy decorated sugar cookies. And I had just made some. And one day my husband said, I think you could sell these. And I thought, no, I'm not that good. And no one's going to pay for this. And so we bet on it because that's always how good things start in your marriage, right? You make a bet. And so I made some Halloween cookies and posted them on Facebook and said, for a dozen cookies, it's 20 bucks. And I finally had to stop taking orders because I sold 300 and some cookies in two hours and was overwhelmed because I'd never done this before. I didn't have the supplies to do this. I cried. (laughs) And it was overwhelming. But I just got so much good feedback from it that I thought, well, I could do this part time. I have time when my kids are sleeping. And it really just took off. And now I do decorated cookies mostly, gourmet flavored cookies. I do cakes and wedding cakes and wedding cupcakes and uh, keep busy. And when people ask, can you make this? I say, maybe. (laughs) I'll get back to you. Yeah. It comes very naturally to me, and I understand science of baking, and so I can take a recipe and adapt it and make it my own, and it's easy for me, where some people will say, I can't even make a chocolate chip cookie. How do you do that? It's just part of my gifts, I guess, and so I do that when my kids are sleeping. I have two little girls. They're three and five. When the nights come that they grace me with a normal bedtime, then I get a lot of baking done, and other nights, I just stay up till the morning comes. Wow, baking all night. Yes. Yes. All night. There's definitely days that I am exhausted in the morning because I've gone two or three hours of sleep at most. Is your congregation excited about how successful your baking business is? I bet they cheer you on, don't they? They do. Yes. And they're very supportive. They also benefit. I just started a grief support group. And when the ladies started showing up, they're like, did you seriously bake all these beautiful cookies for this? Yep. Because I cannot go to the store and buy cookies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They benefit from it. So I think that helps them cheer me on a bit. Oh, yeah. Where are you serving? I am in a small town in North Dakota, Park River. Just one congregation here in a small rural area. So you're really the only gourmet cookies around. Sometimes. Home bakers pop up all the time now, but we don't really compete. We just Ah. try and support one another and uplift each other. And I get a request for something I don't think I can do. I refer them on and then they refer people to me. We just found our own niches. You're like in a cookie community. It's crazy the community you can find if you go looking. Well, I just am such a fan. Okay, first of all, the watercolor cookies were beautiful and genius. If the listeners haven't seen them before, they're just cool. They come, that's like an outline of the design and ours was a stained glass. And then at the bottom, she puts these dabs of colored frosting, and then she sends a little paintbrush with it. And then you literally dip the paintbrush in water and then use the colored frosting dabs to color the cookie. 
I mean, it Interactive. was genius. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Everybody wow. loved those. Very cool. What's been one of your most enjoyable orders that you've had to make? Great question. Baking is amazing because you get to do super cool things like people's retirement parties or when people are welcoming a new child into their life or adoption hearings and they're like decorations that you eat. Recently, I got asked to make a ton, dozens of Minnie and Mickey cookies for a Make-A-Wish reveal for a kid in our community who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And it was really interesting to see joy and grief and just all those emotions connected. But to be part of that moment in that person's life is an honor. I get to do that a lot, being a pastor, invited into those sacred moments. But I'm always in a different role than just here is this thing that you're going to eat and brings you joy. I'm not charge of the event. I'm just going to support you and bring you joy. So it's just been really neat to be welcomed into things like that in the community. That's so great. I just love it. So do you do most of your baking at home or do you do some at the church? I do most of it at home just because of time constraints. My husband's church has a beautiful commercial kitchen, so I can get a lot more done in a little bit of time. But then that requires me to be away from home. So sometimes it's just easier to fit it into the few moments of silence I get in my life, which is the joy of being able to have a side business like that. It doesn't conflict with my ability to be with my family. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to music or podcasts when you bake? Yes. <laughs> I cannot focus in silence. I like to throw it back to like my childhood jams, okay. which is, wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old. <laughs> but, right. No one else in my family wants to listen to it. So I get to listen to it when I'm alone. You're um, up all night playing your jams. Yeah. Baking. Yes. Sometimes I'll put on a podcast. I'm working my way through all of the Brene Brown podcasts. You're going to know everything by the end of that. She's so wise. (laughs) Seriously. But sometimes they're so heavy that Mm. I'm like, I can't even decorate a cookie right now because I'm sobbing. Mm -hmm. So then I have Mm -hmm. to lighten it up with some Shania Twain. Right. (laughs) Just kind of alternate. But I'm not a silence person. I need the sound. Tell me more about the science of baking. Like I realize you have to be right with your measurements more than cooking. Mm-hmm. Like, are you obsessed with what's the movie right now? The woman is a chemist. Oh, yeah. Who had um, to be a baker. Yeah, the cooking show lady. Okay, that clearly one. you aren't into it. I don't know. I'm not okay. heard of this. It's going to bug me. It's lessons, lessons in, in chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. Uh-huh. Lessons yeah. in chemistry. Yeah. I'm going to have to add it to my list now. It's really cool. Yeah. That's your streaming recommendation. But tell me. Right. You're saying you understand the science of baking more than other people, and I am certain you understand it more than me. Before I really got into this and just kind of baked for a holiday or for fun or because I had to bring something to a bake sale, I would just follow a recipe. I found a recipe, had good reviews. I'd follow it, trust that it turned out. Uh And as I dove more into baking, realizing, well, why is it that this has a five-star review? But now I understand, oh, this is what baking soda does to a cookie. And this is what baking powder does to a cookie. And baking tip, if you ever want cookies that are like cakey, you add cornstarch because cornstarch is in cake flour. People don't often have cake flour on hand, but if you add cornstarch to your normal flour, it creates a cakier 
cookie. And so when I read a recipe, I'm like, yeah, I like that. But I want it to be thicker. I want it to be a lighter cookie. I'll just add some cornstarch instead of all the flour. Understanding what an ingredient does opens up new doors for you. I love baking, but my things don't often turn out pretty. But I don't mind because we'll eat them anyway. Right. But that's why I admire people that make beautiful baked things because... Mine are never very beautiful. <laughs> I know you said this, but can you remind me again? What year did you say you started this business? The fall of 21. So I guess it's been a little over two years officially. Before then, I baked for friends and family. And with the holidays coming up, are you just like swamped with orders all the uh-huh. time? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Holidays, I have to limit things. Yeah. Especially, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of holidays coincide with my regular job. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah. So it's like oh, I'm already so stressed out about Advent and Christmas, and then I'm going to add cookie orders on top of it. And so I learned to limit because one job will suffer. So (laughs) I've learned to put limits on things. But yes, it gets really busy around this time of year, for sure. sure. Summer, not so much, but church holidays, absolutely. Do you have a big order you're working on right now? Not right now, actually. It's been so busy in church life. I have said no to Mm. a lot. I mean, it's the benefit of running a side business. My livelihood doesn't depend on it. But I have learned, because I am very much a yes person, that you can't say yes all the time. And so I've learned to say no. Are you artistic in other ways? Like, do you enjoy doing other kinds of artistic things? I've always been kind of an artistic person. I can't draw to save my life. I never was that kid. I'm not like hugely musically talented. So I always had to kind of find my niche of other creative projects. I, for a while, made felt baby mobiles. You know, you like a crib. Uh So I would cut out all these little tiny pieces of felt and sew them together by hand. So I made one for one of my friends. It was like Up, the movie Up. Oh, yeah. It was like the house and the balloons and the characters. I think I bled and cried and literally sweat over that. But it was beautiful in the end. So I like doing that stuff. I don't have as much time now that I have kids to take care of. But I get to create with them. My four-year-old loves creating. So we will often just be sitting at the table gluing pipe cleaners together. And I am a perfectionist. So I often get really frustrated with creativity projects and don't finish them. So it's nice to sit with a four-year-old who was like, I don't know what the purpose of this art project's going to be, but we're going to call it art at the end, mom. Uh-huh. I love it's it. It's great. We're That's just going to awesome. accept that it is your art. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much more freeing than here's what I want to make. And it's going to look like that in the end. So she's actually teaching me a lot about creativity and the fact that it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be yours. That's beautiful. And what I was thinking with baking, though, there is that added element of danger. Have you ever had an epic fail? Yes, I have. (laughs) You got to set timers. Don't ever trust that you're going to remember some things in the oven. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have that happen. So the fail more was burning it, not the science that came before it. Yes, it was thinking, oh, that needs one more minute, not one more hour. Oh, Oh, yeah. People really want to eat their cookies. They don't want them to fall apart when they touch them and charred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's stressful when it happens because then you waste money and time. But sometimes you just kind of have to laugh. You know, we're going to call those, what are the biscotti? Is that the like <laughs> yeah. hard, crunchy, yeah, cookie the hard ones. Coffee? Yeah. We just call it that. 
Baking seemed like a pretty perfect creative outlet for a perfectionist because yeah. there is the science. There is a way to do it right. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who finds objects mm-hmm. on the beach and then makes a sculpture. That's a different type of creative outlet that there's not going to be yeah. an answer. Mm-hmm. So I like how you fell into what sounds like a wonderful match for your personality. Yeah. And then your four-year-old will pull you right out of it. Yeah, they have a way of doing that. (laughs) Is your baking a spiritual practice for you in some ways? Yeah, for sure. I would say when I bake things like breads and rolls, it feels more spiritual to me because of the process. There's something really relieving about (laughs) this is going to sound terrible, but like beating up something. (laughs) But the idea that you kind of have to like break bread down for it to rise. And to Mm. me, that is one of the most spiritual things. We have to work with something before we rise. This idea of death and resurrection. So in bread, you are literally tearing it apart when you need it so that when you leave it, it will rise. And I'm not doing the rising. The rising magically happens. I'm not in control of that. And so there's so much faith that it's going to happen and that something is going to cause it to happen other than me. And so for me, that's a very spiritual process. It's very faith builds olive baking the creative process of it is beautiful for me that i take these random objects things that are kind of gross apart and you would not sit down and eat no one just sits down and eats a cup of flour and people don't usually eat raw eggs but you take all these things and then you mix them together and you just trust that when it comes mm. out of the oven it's going to be delicious for me it's about faith because when it goes into the oven i'm like i hope i did that right i hope that those measurements are correct And then when it comes out, it brings joy and it's faith and trust and spirituality all mixed together. And there are fails, just like in our faith. We have some fail moments too, you know, things crash and burn sometimes in faith. And that's okay because there's always grace. And when something isn't beautiful, if it still tastes good, I find grace in that. Mm. It might not be perfect, but it's delicious. There's about a million sermon illustrations in what you just <laughs> said. And yeah, love... you like had a whole month of sermons in two yes, minutes. I know. I love all of it. That's beautiful. With your business, do you think about the future? Do you have things that you're working on that you're not quite sure about the direction to go? You know, I find myself now at kind of a, oh, I don't want to say a crossroads, is that sometimes I just feel so burnt out on running two jobs. I mean, ministry is demanding. We know that as people who work in that realm, that's often hard to balance two things. But when I take a cookie order, I'm expected to provide. I mean, I said yes, but that doesn't mean that I knew that week that I would have three funerals. And so there gets to be weeks that I get to the day before something is due and I am a wreck because there's just, there's so much to do and it all is important. And it feels like, oh, cookies are probably the least important part of my life right now, but it's still something I agreed to do. So I still have to do it. So I often am finding myself looking at the future and wondering how sustainable is this? I want to say like, yeah, I want to expand and I want to open a bakery. And I would love if my life was like running a bed and breakfast that had a bakery in it and people could order their baked goods. But I also was a hospitality person. I'm all about hospitality. I think that's Mm -hmm. probably why I love baking so much. I also don't know how I could do that and be a pastor. So uh, sometimes the call of God telling me that I should still be a pastor wins because I don't know, something about God, I'm probably having the right answer for my life right now. But what I love, Another direction, yes, but I don't want to say like, yeah, I'm giving up, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes to balance it all. So I want to expand, but I don't know if that's feasible. 
Is it okay if we talk about that? Sure. Yeah. What is the next step of making this version feasible while you still have a full-time call? A next step? I would say routine. Routine is my next step. And not necessarily my routine, but the routine of family. I'm so terrible at keeping my family on a routine. My kid's bedtime goes from 8 o'clock till 11 because, like, it's just when it fits into the night. Mm -hmm. When do I have 16 minutes before my next batch of cookies is done to get your teeth brushed? So would the next best step be getting my family on a better routine so I have a more predictable schedule? Probably. That would probably be good. But there must be a reason you're not doing it. So what's in the way? Hmm. Exhaustion. (laughs) Exhaustion. Yeah. You know, I get tired of being the bad parent sometimes. Like go do this because mommy has something to do mm-hmm. and you know kids play house and my kids are at that age of pretend play and when they're pretending to play house and one of them is the mom and one's the kid and they say mom will you come do this with me and they're like no mommy's busy making cookies oh mm, they're mimicking yeah like is that really how i come off to my kids of like no mommy's always too busy doing work Mm. that breaks my heart a little bit to then be like you have to go to bed we have to follow a routine because I have stuff to do and I want to spend time with them right like Mm -hmm. they're my kids I don't want to miss these years you don't get them back right so I think I just have some fear that if I start putting them on a routine to benefit me what is that going to teach them about what I prioritize do they have to connect those two things though can they be on a routine because a routine is good for them Yes. I'm not sure how to get that across to them, that it is mm-hmm. good for them. You know, they're at an age where they don't have the common sense that you can mm-hmm. reason with them. They're just going to pick up on whatever is happening. Um, so could I be better at connecting the dots in the right way for them? Yes. Yes, I could. It's work. It's work and I would have to ah. commit to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Somehow you've connected getting them on a routine with being the bad parent. You're right. Yes, I have where it wouldn't have to be connected. I'm so sorry. That's hard. That's hard to feel like the bad parent. Also, sometimes feeling like the bad parent is probably being a good parent. So would it benefit them to be on a better routine and to get to bed on time and up on a normal schedule? Yeah, that probably would benefit them. But Mm -hmm. I just haven't done the work to do it. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're resistant to setting the routine, which is fine. It's your life. What is what is a step that you actually want to do? Because I feel like routine is what you said because you know it's the right answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not your next step because you don't want to do it. Mm. I guess. That's like terrible as a parent. Like, I don't really want to put my kids to bed on. We're <laughs> not about terrible. No. We're not in that zone. We're not labeling. You are doing what is best for your family. We're not there to know. Oh, my gosh. My kids' bedtime always has been and continues to be (laughs) chaos. But they're just fine. They're good young men. They're productive members of society. Yes. Uh Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exhibit A. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's fine. Like, that feels like you said what you're supposed to say. You're following the recipe, like what the parent blog says to do, right? What's the next step for you? To make mm-hmm. this balancing pasture parenthood cookie baker work for your personality, mm-hmm. not what the parent blog says. Yeah. You know, Don, that's a great question. And I don't know if I know. I am at a place where I think I have to make some hard choices on boundaries, which I hate that because it feels like anytime you put up a boundary, you disappoint somebody. But if you don't put up a boundary, you disappoint you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're always taking the hit. Yeah. 
I know, I know. But sometimes it's just easier to take the hit yourself than to pass it off on someone, you know? Yes. 40 years of that, though, you're not going to like it. I'm afraid you're right. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how long you want to be a pastor. I just threw 40 out there. Oh, I'll be that person with the, like, 60-year anniversary at an assembly that I look at. And I'm like, oof, oh, a long yeah. time. And they long have everybody time. stand up at mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wonder, since you're a scientist, if you could be a scientist in your life and spend two weeks noticing when you wish you had a boundary or when the rub is. Mm. Because maybe you don't have enough data to make the decision. A lot of people worry about decisions without enough data. That's interesting. I haven't thought of it that way before, but I think you're right. We rush to make the decision before we can really inform the decision. Yeah, Yeah. just get data. Like you're not gonna judge you. You will not judge you. You're just going to keep a list of when it feels like you needed a boundary or when it's hard to be in all three of these roles because we don't need to make a new rule for your life before we really know what the problem is. We don't want to misdiagnose. Yeah. It's I like love a that. scientist. Yeah. yeah. You're a scientist. Kind of. Yeah. I think that's a great way of thinking about it. Takes time. Takes commitment. Takes reminder. I'm going to need to set a timer so I don't forget. I just think it's really valuable pausing and thinking and just noticing what parts are most life-giving to you and whether the cookie thing or the pastor thing. It's a lot when you're trying to do all the things I know and when all of them feel like good things. We have so much grace for this. We're not trying Mm -hmm. to say you're doing it wrong. Please hear that. No. Oh, Oh absolutely not. I don't hear that. So how long do you need for your scientific inquiry? Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks is always a good time. It's not too short, but it's not so long that it gets like drug on forever and ever. I like two weeks. So what will be your proof? Are you going to make an actual list? Yeah, I'm a list person. I've got to write it down. Oh, so fun. Thank you for being a good sport about us jumping into this very complicated part of your life when we don't really know your whole life. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for coming overall. I'm so excited for you, all that you're building. And I also really feel for you, too, juggling all these beautiful things. We'll be thinking of you as you figure out your next steps, as you do your science experiment. I'm all about creativity. I love it. I love talking about it. I feel like it incorporates so much of my life. I feel like I always am bothering people with creativity stuff and thinking outside the box. And so it's nice to be with people who are like, yeah, let's talk about creativity. I love it. It's so good. good to be among kindred spirits. Thanks for joining us for Created Creative with Ruth and Dawn. We're so glad that you were here. Please follow us on Spotify and iTunes. Rate and give us a great review. And please share us with your friends. And hey, go create something today.